0: Hey, guys. Alex here, AJNashville.com, here with the usual suspect, Mr. Jeffrey Perry. Go ahead. Say hi, Jeff. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Jeff. Exactly. We also have an extra special guest in-house today, Mr. Travis Cup. I refer to him as T-Cup, and I'm sure I'm not the first person. I know I'm not the first person, but great to have you here. Good friend of mine. Say hi to the crowd. Good to be here, man. It's good to be here. Awesome. Awesome. Fantastic. So I have the opportunity since you're in town, you're driving through, you're you're coming from Dallas, you've spent the the holiday with your family, you've had a great time, now you're headed back to Michigan. I was able to pick your brain last night and kind of talk about some different marketing ideas because you are a gorilla when it comes to marketing. You have no concern of disrupting any market in the world, which is admirable, and I think that it takes a lot of balls to do what you do. But more importantly, something that we scratched the surface of is how you put some things together. You're a very intelligent person. There's no question about that. We discussed that last night. But you put your thoughts.
1: Tell me. Actually, I'll let you tell the crowd what you do. So uh, I've had a couple different ways of putting together a plan and getting it executed through the years. Uh, About a year and a half ago... Uh, it changed from being on a whiteboard. Uh, where we put most of it because you bump into it, stuff goes off, and it, whiteboards don't move around very easily. Some uh, gentlemen from uh, Benchmark showed me that uh, Post-it makes a life-size, uh, three-foot by four-foot Post-it note. Right. So uh, basically, and I, and I plan on using three to four or five of them anytime that I'm even just rough drawing a plan. I literally, you know, I, I use up a good probably six to eight square feet of writing. Mm-hmm. Um. Part of what it is, so the first board I do is I'll list off all the different avenues or, uh, you know, like for instance, whenever I I was deciding to drop off 60% of my revenue in one of my retail shops. Right. And I had to find, you know, what are my new revenue streams? Anyone that's successful has multiple streams of revenue. Mm -hmm. So I put it up there, numbered out through like seven, you know, Mm -hmm. seven different revenue streams we do, and started just brainstorming on how to fill those up. Once I fill up those first seven, I would put up a you know a new board on each one for each one of those revenue streams and start. So
0: you're breaking it out. So you're saying, OK, boom, 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 boom. Here's my ideas. And then you're going behind that and separating those ideas into separate. And, and
1: kind of doing a deep dive in each one. So here's the seven potential avenues that we can do on right. this one board. And then right. each one of those avenues gets its own full poster board for you to start writing out. How are we going to get there? Where What are the major pitfalls? What are the steepfalls? And you'll find that major – that original list of seven will start dwindling down mm-hmm. and you know, you'll know you start kind of solving six. those problems. <laughs> and then there was six.
0: No, but that's brilliant because here's the thing and here's what I see a lot of people do. Self-included, I've done this before in the past, you have this great idea and you're like – Man, we're going to do this. And it stays an idea in your head. And here's the thing. Something that goes on in your head never comes out on paper, never comes out to the world, never happens. Because nobody has great ideas in their head that suddenly develop into actual things that take place. You know, Nobody's ever invented something without at some point putting it on paper. But we've all been in that scenario where we're talking to someone and you're like, dude, I thought about that like three years ago. I should have invented that. Now it's worth millions and millions of dollars. Or you have the other side of it, which is like the pet rock. Like who was <laughs> like, hey. I'm gonna take this rock, put it in a fucking box, and I'm gonna sell it to people. I'm gonna call it a pet rock, you know? So, putting these ideas out on paper is a first step for a lot of people for the pathway to success. And then, more importantly, like you said, when you start breaking those ideas into individual sectors, then you're able to focus on one particular thing as opposed to saying, I've got seven businesses and they have to all run like this. Because we all know businesses is like friendship, there's not two that are completely alike. And the way you operate those those different entities is going to be different. You know, just like your buddies. I wouldn't the debates we had last night. Right. You know, they would be different debates than Jeff and I would have. Right. You know, so that's it's good that you break that down. So I'll let you continue. So
1: one of the things that I find out with goal setting, there's a couple weird misconceptions out there. Or there's there's a couple of dichotomies on it. First thing, uh, this is a stat from psychology, the more people you tell about your goal, the less likely you are to complete it. Right. Because you get that self feeling of satisfaction because you told someone about it and they go, wow, good for you. And yeah. you get that little pat on your back and that tends to, you know, pump off the gas a little bit. Right. On the other hand, and and it does have a little bit to do with the person. I put those on the boards and I end up moving them across my house so that mm-hmm. anyone that comes over sees what my goals are. And it's, I don't get the pat on my back necessarily. It's more of a, holy crap, now I have to do this. These people have seen it. Everyone knows what I'm supposed to have done by the end of the month right. because I put them up in my kitchen, on my cabinet. I cannot open my kitchen cabinet without taking down a life-size post-it. And that way, why am I at home eating? Yeah. I need to be in the office. I need to get this done. Look how far away I am from these goals. And that's yep. a big difference from a journal to me because that journal, you open up when you're motivated or when you're really unmotivated. It doesn't do anything for you on Monday yeah. afternoon.
0: But even either one of those two things. So here's the thing. That in-your-face attitude with it is fucking phenomenal. I think it's great because you always hear big speakers are like, take your goals, write them on a piece of paper and put them on your bathroom mirror. Okay, well, how often do you stand in your bathroom mirror compared to how many times you go to your cabinet to open it up to say, hey, it's time to eat. My stomach is hungry. Oh, here's my goals. So I think that's a brilliant <laughs> idea. The other thing is is just getting started, having a – like Jeffrey. Jeffrey writes out the stuff he has to do today. It drives me up a fucking wall because he's so neurotic. <laughs> but I get it done. But he gets it done, and that's right. the one thing that I enjoy, and that's the one reason why him and I work well so well together because he has a methodical method of getting every – methodical method. Nothing like repeating no, no, myself. No, no <laughs> it's a, just
2: because I don't have a good memory. Be, <laughs> whatever. So yeah, Jeff Jeff has the the memory of a stoner that's never smoked weed. (laughs) The thing that's funny and the reason I do that is because – and it's not because it's just because I don't have a great memory. But it stems back from when my parents were actually doing network marketing and going to Zig Ziglar um, uh, presentations and things like that. And it was about goals and it was about – when you're in network marketing, of course, they want you to put the Mercedes on the refrigerator, the pictures of it, and go get a brochure and go test drive it and put these goals in front of you so that you have something to drive you. And you would take these things and put them on the refrigerator and 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 find ways to make them unfold. And like you said, the kitchen cabinet, wherever the place is, it, on your refrigerator, you open that damn thing all the time. Yeah, especially
0: if you're big like me. You're like, fucking, I'm hungry. So, I need a so, beer or I need pizza. <laughs> so I would literally
2: do that. I would find like a brochure of something I wanted, like a jet ski or a boat or whatever, you know, something that I wanted. And I would get that and I would put that thing on my refrigerator until I got it. Yeah.
0: And see, that's that's huge. That's mapping out your plan's to success. And the nice thing is, when it's on your fridge like that, you get somebody that maybe has a different mindset that comes in and is like, "Dude, this is awesome, but this piece right here, you could do better by doing this."
1: And that's that's a good thing about having it out. And and I try and hang out with you know com- like company people. people that are yeah. you know and. Invested in marketing, business development, some, right? You know, sort of one of those things. And the other thing that that keeps me going is whenever you put up a big list like that, and those papers keep going, mm-hmm. it does become extremely overwhelming. Yeah, which which for me. It makes me kind of excited to go out and figure, like, find failure, so I can mark them off lists. Like, yeah, this is not going to be a plausible revenue stream that's right. going to work out, or we're going to have to really go back and redo that whole sheet. But when right. there's so much out there of how am I going to get this done, you just start attacking them. And right. You can you can freeze up for a little bit, but if you stare at it long enough, and it's it's surrounding your house and you're serious about it, you start attacking them. And I, like I said, from my seven revenue streams, yeah. I think I'm down to three. It's been four months. Right. But they are the three that I've got are doing much more than I had expected. I expected seven. You know, was what it would require to get up there. Mm-hmm. It turned out because and if you run a business, it, it, things change all the time. Yep. Yeah. And and that's what's good about those boards. I set up once or twice you know, a month that I'm I'm going through and re and I constantly rewrite them. The first one is done in black. I write blue for the updates halfway through the month. Yeah. And uh, and you know keep working out there, but not. At, When you put up enough of that stuff out there, of hey, if this fails, then I'm going to do this. And then if this fails, it doesn't feel as blunt of a failure as, hey, I didn't get it done because it's just I moved on to the next step now. Well, you have have a
0: backup plan. That's kind of like when you're a mortgage loan originator. So the thing is, is people sell in desperate measures at some points because they look at their pipeline. They're like, holy shit, I got two deals. Boom. Deal number one fell through. And you're like, oh, my God, I got one. I'm not going to be able to make my house payment. My kids are going to starve. My wife's going to die. And all these extreme things start unpacking out of your head. You know, and so that abundance of having the backup, okay, you know what, I lost a deal, it doesn't matter. I have fifteen more that I can fall back on. That allows you some calmness when it comes to making decisions on the those remaining fifteen deals, or in your case, the seven streams of of income that have dropped down to three or four, you still have three or four. So it's okay to lose five, six, seven because you still have three and four. So I think that's important is that you're not – for one, you made a good point. You're not putting all your eggs in one basket. Right. And that's a big thing. So speaking of putting all your eggs in one basket, when you're looking to purchase a home, I need you guys to check out my friend over at House on the Rock Home Inspection, Mr. Dave Ganatra. Him and his team are amazing at protecting your assets. So when you purchase a home, you're typically putting all your eggs in one basket. You're hoping that that financial gain that you get from the equity ends, uh, the market increasing. You hope that that works out. But more importantly, you don't want a – Money Pit, things that need tons and tons of repair. Dave and his team are awesome at taking care of that, making sure that you're aware of any issues that your home may currently have or may have in the future. Feel free to reach out to him and his team at 615 969 Fifty-seven forty-one. now back to what we were talking about and
1: even on that one i started doing the media for uh, military mortgage boot camp yeah on that. that was a favor kind of to them to help get to more veterans it was a few days before the phoenix event it technically happened over technology problems that jay was having with the phone right and it uh, turned out that you know i could do some of the streaming stuff again that was one of the streams of them in there but that's not you know that's a that that's something i do on the side it's not a that's not
0: paying all the bills right
1: that's not one that I, and i nor do i want it to that's not the side that i'm putting in that's keeping beer in the fridge exactly that's and, my and my son yeah. yeah. paycheck
0: yeah. well and see that's what people so initially when you're starting out there's no question you're not going to boom now i got seven multi-million dollar industries and i'm doing great yes there is a, an occasion where somebody comes up with a brilliant idea and it just takes off like a fucking rocket right? Right. and if you have the ability to do that get it done but that doesn't mean that you should stop with that rocket and say okay we're good now and not develop other avenues of income you know you can't just open well i say that if you're amazon (laughs) you know it's a totally different story because you can just ride that rocket until the fucker sinks if it ever does but you know back to to being serious about it You have to have those separate streams because eventually some are going to crumble. The market's going to change. The demand's going to change. You know, what people like today, they may not like tomorrow. What's trending now is no longer trendy in a year from now. You know, and, and people's interest, they get bored with things so quickly. And the last thing you want to do is have all your eggs in one basket and then find yourself so embedded with that that you don't see it collapsing around you. You know, and I think that's a mistake that some business owners make is they're so into what it is they're doing that they don't see the collapse.
1: And that's, and that's kind of uh, why I like spreading out. It's, it has a little bit to do with the way my brain works with ADD, but mm-hmm. you know the, the, the old expression, you can't see the forest through the trees. Well, right. if you've got something in the ocean, something in the woods, and something in the desert, trust me, you're not going to have that problem because exactly. as soon as stuff starts crumbling in the mortgage, you're going to have blinders. We all have personal biases that mm-hmm. stop us from seeing certain things that impact us negatively. But and if all you do is mortgage and you hear like, hey, these new regulations are going to shut out or uh, automated systems are going to shut out LOs, yeah. you're – emotionally invested in that thing because that's where you come from. It doesn't matter where the sources come from. You're most likely going to look at it and go, nah, they can never do what I do. Exactly. But if you're in, you know, if you're doing this and six other things, you may see it and go, Hey, you know what? Maybe I should start prepping myself on this one. And if it never comes, then great. Put the weight back on, you right know, to that area, but I've been slaughtered in the past with so many. Like my the first business was a beverage one. Yeah, uh, I you know literally lost hundreds of thousands of dollars after I'd made it. I thought I was nineteen, bought a house, did good, and you know, and then all of a sudden the I built that one brand and that brand went under, and now all of my I went back to school, had residual revenue set up from like eight different markets. Yeah, boom, yeah. gone. And I and I'd heard people talking about the stuff going on. Of that's that's they've been saying that stuff forever. Had I had. had Something else going on, I would have you know, taken a step off that boat and hopped into a different lifeboat. Well,
0: and you're against some pretty fucking heavy hitters when you're talking about the beverage. The the section is dominated. Coke and Pepsi. Doesn't matter.
1: Two most well-known brands in
0: the world. They are the big dick of the beverage industry. And so it's very hard to get into a market where once you make a big enough splash, they're going to take notice. And they're going to say one of two things. Either A, we're going to buy you out, or B, we're going to shut you down.
1: And I turned down the buyout.
0: Yeah and that's that's the thing because well there's a pride into it and I get that you know as a loan officer for example there's a pride where you're like no I can do this there's no problem I can make this happen you know and in actuality sometimes it's better to cash out and go start something else or if you have multiple streams cash out and then go reinvest into those multiple streams and grow those so you can hopefully cash out again you know a business is a liability at the end of the day and so having a liability even though it may be profitable if you can get rid of it for a large sum of money I I would seriously consider it, you know, cash out and go on down the road. But some things are passions for us. Right. And getting rid of a passion is very hard to do. So, you know, I get it. There's there's two different directions when it comes to that. But like I said, when you start disturbing the market and Coke and Pepsi take notice, you've done something.
1: Yeah. You know? and, so, and that's kind of my favorite thing is market disruption. So, yeah. like, with finding, you know, we talked a little bit about guerrilla tactics with – uh you know just kind of knocking on doors and that's where I learned from those gas station stuff of coming in hey I've got this weird purple soda no it's not an energy drink like everything else it's actually right. the opposite yeah. and it's more expensive have fun with that yeah exactly you know and uh, and I, I took a lot of fun Like I mean it was, the beverage stuff was crazy there were people like I can't I got in fist fights with Dr. Pepper guys coat guys in the cooler back <laughs> behind it slashing tires I mean it was like, it's, there's a lot of fun stuff that happens behind that scene but it was but what I'd realized at some point and, and this is about not having your eggs in the same basket kind of diversifying because you, you can like, I because I had a very successful a beverage career in the first like you know few years of being an adult, yeah. But it was an anomaly. There weren't very many products that ever did that, right? And uh, one of the things that I've I've made a lot of friends in the beverage industry, and I ended up owning a couple of my own businesses in that realm, and I've worked with a lot of people, and they still to this day will ask me like, "Man, where should I go work now in beverage?" Right. And the answer to them is nowhere, yeah, because the t- <laughs> like most of and there's I don't have the actual real numbers on it, but like the top one percent of beverage salesmen mm-hmm. make less than fifty grand a year. Yeah. So you're- like, there's not another sales industry in the world where I the top one percent. <laughs> Make you know what I mean. Make less than a hundred thousand. There's yeah, nowhere. Exactly. Like if you're if you're the best beverage salesman out there, go sell a mortgage. Dude, go sell a car. I, yeah.
2: I had an experience with that in California when the mortgage industry crashed and there were no jobs. I took a job as a I don't know, Budweiser guy or something. Right? No, uh, Red Bull. Red Bull, uh, dude, but so, Red
1: Bull's the shit. It is
2: great, but here's the deal: it you have to sell that into each store. The stores don't just automatically purchase that, so you have right. to go in and sell that, and then you have to stock your truck, and then you have to deliver it all over the place in these cities, and be on time it's 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 horrible like and see, it, it's everyone literally knows red bull try that with a no job. name
1: no one no right? and,
2: and red Bull's even hard to sell in i mean i couldn't believe how well, hard I'm sure the bull buy-in is isn't in. cheap i'm
0: sure the buy-in is probably decent you can't just be like hey we're gonna sell you six cans today and give you a fucking three hundred dollar fridge and we're gonna set you up and you're good to go i'm sure there's some type of buy-in well, to they, that, well right?
1: they, they well they set up like cooler contracts at some points with organizations but uh one of the the weird parts that that people don't get into it is is retail is like like when you're in the loan stuff if you have a uh, you have income problems you don't necessarily have spending problems
0: right, right right you can
1: you can increase your income and you know that's what goes on there but from retail you can't really like it's theres that's right. not a good way there's not an effective way to market it out so your only course of recourse for making new money or mm-hmm. consistent mm-hmm. You know I mean is to wrench down your costs right and so when these guys on the stores you're coming in from that red bull at you know at it depends on the size of the case, but thirty dollars, forty dollars, mm-hmm. they can get it for a dollar twenty cheaper at Sam's Club. Yeah, mm-hmm. they will drive because they're going to get one other thing at Sam's Club anyway. So that was kind of the battle of it.
2: It was difficult. It and, was. And they, it, will, I mean, they will
1: fight over a dollar, like tooth and nail. I've had hour and a half crazy. long arguments that save Dude. people seven dollars. That is. Insane. There were literally,
2: yeah. I mean, and and you bust your butt doing that job. I mean, oh, you literally sure. have to pack the truck. You have to do everything. You know.
0: So you drove like one of the small cooler trucks.
2: Bigger truck? No, I, oh, I drove like a the, pretty the decent double axle. axle. Yeah, I drove, oh, okay. and and of course they let me drive that. I have no idea why, but um, <laughs> I would let you I, fucking drive. I I and downtown Sacramento, California too. Yep. So Apparently we're talking going down
0: my hood. We're talking. <laughs>
2: we're talking in in some traffic and things like that. And and you go to these gas stations and and literally. Like you said, you're fighting tooth and nail just to sell some measly-ass cases into these stores. And they're like – Cases that sell themselves, mind you. There is not – you know, the listeners that are listening, there's very
0: few people that are listening to this, if anybody, that hasn't heard of Red Bull. Like here's the thing. You've got countries that don't have enough money to put people in the fucking outer space, but you have an energy drink company that's put people – in the stratosphere, you know. Yeah, that's a pretty that is, good a, yeah, way to look that's at it. Really. They're, they're, like, they're
2: they're great marketing. I mean, their their
0: marketing's unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, people are making fucking uh, like the Red Bull competition thing where you, you have to build a plane, you know, and and you're taking and you got guys flapping their wings and Dude, it's, it's insane. Red Bull is everywhere. Yeah. So the thought that they would fight you on that, I get it. I get both sides of it. Yeah. If I'm going to Sam's Club anyways, guess what? If you're a paper salesman and I'm going there anyways, I'm going to pick up paper there. Mm-hmm. More than likely, though, I'm just going to buy it on Amazon so I don't have to get up and do shit. You know, I don't have to deal with the lines or anything. But I just, it, it's so competitive and it's such a tight market. And once again, when you have places that are taking notice, big places, they can easily stomp you out because they have the marketing budget to go into that marketplace that you're in and just make you. It disappears. But see,
1: in the, but that's that's their strength, right? They're going right. to use power. And I've been sued by Nestle, Talking Rain, Sparkling Ice, some of the biggest names in beverage. Yeah. And I've won every one of them. I found a, a way out. A They're hole. big. They they try and crush you and suffocate you, right? Yeah. So as a big business, we know, and that's, we talk about it as government, right? Government moves slow. Why? Yep. Because it's huge. It's gigantic. Right. Right? The bigger your company is, like Coca-Cola, there's you just have to be quick. Like we talked about, like, discarding in and ejecting and products and yeah. making a new one and having it launched out. If you do that with big companies, they will lose their ass trying to beat you and they will eventually give up yeah so what i would do uh so for instance with finding when i launched a relaxation beverage Mm -hmm. okay dr pepper offered to buy it out first and then coke talked about it and uh so basically became their competitors and went no we're making a killing right so uh they decided that they were going to release one too but they didn't really understand the marketing they were just willing to throw a lot of money at it yeah you know they didn't understand what what we had done to do it so as soon as they had done that they had invested in really heavily to technically investing your consumer is the the most expensive part of marketing. Or sorry, to right. educating your consumer. Right. Uh, so basically, what we had done is we had used them. They they put up posters and things everywhere, and mm-hmm. then we just retook our marketing and fine tuned it and added a plus one. So they started doing uh, like energy and relaxation. We did good mood. Yeah. And you know, so we would take it in. So you could leapfrog off of the bigger companies. They can pave a big way through the forest for you, and then you right. can run and scout through. So using the the ability to be small and move quick and change. Yeah. If you're up against a big guy, it doesn't mean you're always dead. You can move quick and bounce around because it takes seven levels of corporate for them to make a decision. So you it's can like make playing it on a dime. crazy video game.
0: It's like fucking leapfrog. Yes, you know you're constantly trying to stay ahead, of, stay ahead of the traffic and move and and pivot left, pivot right. But mm-hmm. you're ultimately you're trying to get across the road, right? And you have Coca-Cola, you know, Dr Pepper, Pepsi. You have these big trucks that are coming down and they're after you. But mm-hmm. if you can keep enough movement, that's the same thing in in a lot of different businesses. You're trying to stay ahead of the game. And like you said, when you have larger corporations, it's hard to when you have to bring your whole board together and sit there and say, "Okay, here's what we have to do, because this little guy over here is fucking us up in Detroit, Michigan, you know. So, I mean, I completely get it. So anyways, dude, you you are a vast, vast well of knowledge. You know so much, so many different parameters. There's so much that I don't understand how much how you comprehend. Like Jeff, you talk about me, and you're like that big brain of yours. This fucking dude's brain. Dude, like you guys twice make me <laughs> feel. I'm
2: sitting in this room with these guys, going, God, I w- what the heck? I mean, no. how am I going to get my brain to work to get through this world and tie my shoes tomorrow? You're lucky you weren't. <laughs> you look,
0: you're lucky you weren't sitting at the house last night when we were having our discussions because you'd have been like, hey, your fucking head would
2: have. Exploded. Dude, I'm lost
0: every day. I don't know how I get through the day. I wouldn't say you're lost every day, but <laughs> here is the one thing: you are single. So if you are an attractive girl looking for an attractive guy, hit up Jeff. He is available. He has been available for a long time. His only downfall, he's got two parrots. So
2: (laughs) just kidding. I'll get rid of the parrots. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Sacrificing pets for love. I have no problem (laughs) with
2: changing things. Yeah, exactly. So
0: no, he doesn't. But anyways. Travis, dude, thank you so much for sticking around to do this podcast. It's amazing. Like I said, brilliant person. I love learning from you. I love watching you grow. I love the crazy things that you do, and I always look forward to spending time with you. I want to thank you for coming on the show. Jeff, you're here. Whatever, (laughs) Whatever, Jeff. (laughs) Thanks for having me, All right. Well, thanks so much for tuning in, guys. We'll talk to you soon.